Godzilla. Top shelf, other side, what? Ready for the action, meet me on the app. Bought some killers with me, heaters on they lap. Represent my city, speaking on behalf. One time, creeping on me quickly, reaching for the What's going on, people? We are back at it again with the High Bud Tenders podcast. It is me, Jarrell, and of course, I got my partner with me, my road dog, Rocky. How you feeling today? I'm good, Jarrell. How's everything going? Um, it was going good. It was going good. Um, it was kind of like a, a smooth day today at the at the job. Not too slow, not too busy. It's just steady all day. That's good. It's yeah. an easy. It was an easy Sunday. Yep, just how they all should be. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we have a guest here with us today, um, Linda Hernandez. Should I even said your full name? You said <laughs> your whole government name. Um, so Linda is here to talk to us about real estate because a lot of people are under the misconception that you can't purchase real estate when you work in the cannabis industry, and that's simply not true. Yeah, I was definitely one of those people. Because um, I figure, hey, cannabis is still federally illegal. So that kind of eliminates me from all these like grants and loans and stuff. So I'm going to probably have a million and one questions for you. So I hope you're ready, Linda. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I guess just to get the the big question out of the way, like, so it it is possible for someone um, working in the cannabis industry and having that as their main source of income, like they can get a purchase a house. Yeah, I mean, it's it's completely possible. I mean, even though, um, you know, it's not it, it's not federally funded, uh, meaning it's not legal under the federal government, as long as you're not getting a federal loan, which is an FHA loan, then you can still qualify for a home. Really, it's the same. It's the same thing as if you were just, you know, a waiter or, you know, a businessman or whatever. You all qualify with the same number really what they're looking for is your credit score and your work history got you now are our lenders less prone to give out loans for people in the cannabis industry yeah honestly uh some lenders especially the big bankers we're not going to name those right um they tend to stay away from anybody working in the cannabis industry only because it, it's it they don't they don't want it's a little bit of a stigma still right as you know, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> they don't want to kind of um, associate too much with them. But at the same time, there's many, many, many lenders that have been in business. The one I work for has been in business for many, many years. It's a reputable company and we don't have a problem. You know, like I said, and many other lenders don't have a problem with um, lending out to people that are in the cannabis industry. I just did a loan for somebody in the cannabis industry. Nice. So let me ask you this. If um, someone is, let's say they're, uh, we have a lot of people that work in the military that work in cannabis, right? Or have been in military, you know, want to still get their benefits, things of that nature. Like I've had people ask me, hey, is it even possible for me to get qualified and, you know what I mean, still get my VA benefits? My VA benefits, yeah. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you're a veteran that is single and you want to use your VA benefits and you're working for a cannabis company, you won't be able to use your VA benefits again because that's 
federal funds, right? Um, but let's say you're married. If you're married and your wife holds a job, you hold a job, you can use your VA benefits still under your wife. How is that possible? So for instance, your VA benefits extend to your wife and your children and so on and so forth. <clears throat> so if you're married, you can use your VA benefit and have your wife purchase the home. You still can obtain, you still can be on title and you just won't hold the loan under a VA loan, but you can still put it under wife name. The wife doesn't work as a cannabis uh, employee. So as long as we can qualify the wife on the home by itself and you guys are good to go, then we can do it that way. Otherwise, there's many. The only reason a veteran, let's say, wants to do, use their VA benefits is because there's no money down. But there's no money down programs outside of VA. VA is not special. Although it's a great benefit to have, I can use the same benefit as a grant, like how Jarrell was saying. There's many, many down payment assistance programs that don't care that you're in the cannabis industry. So quick question on the, um, like if we have like a military or, or former military. So if, if, the, if the wife gets the house, would it only be in her name? Um, yes. Yeah. So, so yes and no. So for instance, whatever your spouse is, right? Girl, guy, uh-huh. husband, um, they would be on the loan, but they on the home and the title of the property you can have both of your names. So you can have one responsible party for the loan to qualify for the home and both of you on title so that both of you hold interest to the home. Got you. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's workarounds. It's not easy. Probably another reason why lenders, you know, kind of shy away from it, but you know, we want to help as many people as we can. So we look for the ins and outs of everything. I mean, there's always a way. We always say when there's a will, there's a way. We will get you home no matter what. If you can afford it, and we're not going to let the red tape stop you from doing stuff. Got you. So I talked to two different lenders, and they both told me that, um, like, my tips, because that's a big part of my my income. Yes. So they said, um, as far as my tips, what what, what people want to see or what the the lenders want to see is, they want to see like consistent, like money coming in if it's tips. So they recommended that I start depositing my tips on a regular basis so they can see that money coming in. And then they said they want to see that at least a year or two. So they'll know it's consistent. Is that true? Um, yes and no. So I'll be honest. I mean, it, it's when they tell you to do that, that's more of a hit or miss. So for instance, um, underwriters and people approving the loans, they don't like cash deposits. They just don't, especially when they're not, you're not uh, declaring them. So for instance, when they're telling you they want to see a year or two and then income, let's say in your bank accounts, mm-hmm. the underwriter is still going to check your tax returns. And if you're making all this income and putting it in the bank and you're still not declaring it on your taxes that you're actually making that money, then you're not going to qualify for the home. So yes, if you put your tips in the bank and yes, if you put them in there for a year or two, you can use them, but you will have to, you will have to claim them. Gotcha. That's the extra step that they're not telling you is that, that you have to claim those tips in order to justify that you are, that you're not going to have an IRS lien come back to you later because the IRS can always come back and say, Hey, we looked at your loan because we get audited all day long. 
companies get audited, you guys get audited, everybody gets audited. So they just come in and say, give me 30 loans. They randomly pick loan numbers. And then they say, let me take a look at these. And it's like, okay, you approve this guy. He showed tips, but you didn't see them on his tax returns. What happened here? So if I don't know if you can like recommend or give advice. Like what should we do with our tips? Or can that be used? Um, I cannot recommend what you do with your tips because <laughs> I'm not trying to have the IRS come back after me. <laughs> but all I'm going to say is if you like to use your tips, use them wisely outside of your account or, um, you know, to pr- got you like a nice little watch for yourself. I don't know. <laughs> while, we, I, while we dance on that fine line, like, um, I guess I'm going to, you know, for, for my, in my personal opinion, like, I think that that's a really big gray area for a lot of people Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, you lawfully, you have to claim your tips. You know what I mean? Right. Um, If that's the business that you're in. So, um, but I don't think that, you know, in this particular channel right now, as opposed to like, uh, in in the cannabis industry, I don't believe in I and I could be wrong on this, but I don't believe that. Um, how does this go in the cannabis industry now? Like, if you claim your tips and you put it in there, you have to declare all of that to the IRS. But if it's not on your check, like usually people that work in that industry work in the industry in which you receive tips. That'll be actually notated somewhere on your check that says this person, you know what I mean? Yeah. So for is that right? Am I right or wrong? about? Yeah. So for instance, like, let's take a waitress, right? She's getting tipped all day long, just like you guys. But the difference between her and you guys is that 99% of her transactions are going to happen on a credit card. So she has no choice but to clear her tips because they're going on a credit card from the credit card. They go to the company. The company then gives them to her on her check. So it's all claimed. The company's claiming it and she's claiming it because it's shown everywhere. Right. Um, cash transactions, if somebody's leaving $10 on her table, hmm, I'm not too sure that she's going to claim that $10 because the company didn't see it. The only one who saw it was the person that picked up the 10 bucks. Right. Um, so that's the difference right. is that, I don't, you know, depending on what company you work for, if they keep a ledger of how much money you, everyone, the tenders or anybody in that industry that's getting tipped gets, unless they're keeping that ledger or track of how much money you guys are receiving on tips, they're not keeping track of it. They're not claiming it. You guys are not keeping track of it. You can or cannot claim it. So if you cannot claim it, you cannot use it. Um, That doesn't mean you can't qualify based on, you know, what you make, because I think too many people get hung up on the fact that it's the word cannabis, meaning that's the industry, but waiters make less than you guys. You know, there's uh, busboys that make less than you guys, and they all own homes. We, we can do the loan. It's Don't get so hung up on the mm-hmm. fact that you don't make too much hourly because we can still qualify for your home. The best suggestion I say is get a credit card if you don't have one. Uh, installment loans are okay, but the difference with installment loans, meaning like a car or a home or something that like will eventually end, that will eventually end. And you, that means your cre- your score will eventually end when that loan ends. So if you don't have a running credit card that constantly refreshes your, your score, then that's not helping you. 
Um, if you're planning to buy a home and you don't have a credit card, get one. And it doesn't have to be $10 million. It could be a $200 credit card and keep it for a year and be good on it. 30% or under balance always better to pay it, use it and pay it off better. But if you can keep it under 30, that's going to keep your credit score perfectly. Try not to incur so much debt. And then you can qualify for a lot. And then again, like I said, I mean, there's down payment assistance programs that are giving you 10 and $20,000 right now. Right. And if you're getting 10 or $20,000, I mean, that's more than I put on my home. <laughs> so you're saying, so I, I, what I'm hearing is, um, most importantly is your credit score, like get that credit score up and build that credit credit score and debt. Don't incur a lot of debt. The more debt you incur, the less you can qualify for. So if you're coming out and you have, you know, let's say you, I say, go get a credit card and you go get seven of them. Well, I didn't say seven. I said one. Yeah. I have to count all those seven cards against you. Right. Does so, it hurt if you like start closing credit cards? So it does hurt that you start closing credit cards, especially if you had a credit card for a long time. Let's say you've had a credit card for 12 years and, and that was like, um, what's the one credit one, right? Because that's, that's the, the one that gives people chances to build their credit. Mm-hmm. So if you, you have a card that is like um, a starter card and then you've had that for 12 years, it's been good. And then all of a sudden you apply and you automatically get an American Express or something right? Some major credit card. Um, If you're like, okay, I'm going to close out my old card because this one's more reputable. Well, you, what you just lost was the longevity of good credit. Mm -hmm. Now it just looks like, oh, you have this card and you've only had it for a month. Like, how do I know that your payment history is good? So let me ask you. So just to clarify, if you go conventional, you have no issues, right? You're just applying just like you normally apply. Yes. But you don't get the perks of doing any of the additional programs that are federally governments uh, funded. So you do get perks. So, for instance, uh, FHA is three and a half percent down payment. So all you have to have is three and a half percent. Conventional offers a three percent. People don't forget that, but they do because people think that conventional is for these big time business people that have 800 score you know, are sitting at the top of the food chain and they're the only ones that could buy conventional. That's not true. Conventional has loosened up many, many times and it does have a 3%. And you can use a down payment assistance program with conventional loans now. Even if you work in the industry? Even if you work in the industry. Same thing. So if I was, let's say I was applying and, you know, it's definitely like a mom pop cannabis uh, industry, right? Company. And they're going under that, particular thing and they know it's cannabis right they know that it's a cannabis company that you work for you can you can get a a loan i just did one i just did a loan okay for somebody in the cannabis industry did a really nice down payment assistant program for the state that she lives in every state has their own they do it because what they want is people buying homes because then that creates jobs that creates longevity people are going to shop there you know, taxes will stabilize, all that stuff. So they offer these down payment assistance programs. Now, some will require you to pay them back as a tier. So that means like if you're in the home three years, then you pay, you don't pay the whole thing back. If you're in the home five years, you don't have to pay the whole thing back. But that's only if you refinance or you sell the home. Right. But 
there's many down payment assistance programs that they're like, okay, well, hey, if you're there a year, we're good, we're square. Because mm. you owned your home, you probably sold it to another person, and we're going to keep the ball rolling. And, okay, so my other question too, uh, and I, I think about these things all the time because people always ask. Um, so what is the ideal credit score? Because a lot of people say, I can't get, I don't think I could buy a house. And then you ask them, oh, what's your credit score? And they're like, well, I know for sure. Or I've checked it and it's 650. Yeah. What is the ideal credit score? So there is no ideal credit score because every program has its own, um, let's say, minimum okay. score, right? So if you're purchasing FHA, FHA, I'll say pre-COVID and now has come back, what the lowest score they would accept was 585. That's pretty low. Oh, wow. Why did they do that? Because they see that people are trying to get it together. At one point, their credit wasn't so great. But now in the past year, if your credit is doing much better, that means you're paying all your bills on time. Nothing has been late. You're coming out of bankruptcy, whatever the case may be. But your score just hasn't had the time to raise. They'll qualify you at a 585. No big deal. Um, but that's on an FHA loan. Again, that's a government loan. Very difficult for uh, somebody that's a butt tender or somebody that's uh, in the cannabis industry at all. Um, ideally, if you wanted to think of a perfect scenario in a, in a perfect world, no less than 680. Okay. But that doesn't mean I can't get you approved at a 620. That doesn't mean, I mean, some people have a 620 and they have great credit and they've paid it on time. And for whatever reason, they're scores stay stagnant and that's because they bought a car and that's the only credit they have and again installment loans don't move your score so it's not their fault they haven't made any late payments they haven't done anything it's just that they haven't gotten a credit card or anything that keeps it moving and they don't know what to do so that's why we say there's no um great credit score to achieve basically it's whatever your credit has on it and the score How itself and what program we could fit you in we can there's many programs that we can what's the fastest way to see that number move well if somebody was trying to clear that up so that they can qualify because there's a lot of there's a lot of young younger people looking to buy homes which i think is kind of nice now yeah that people are you know starting again because there was a, a moment there where Young people weren't buying homes. Yeah. So when we say young people, we really talk about millennials, millennials right? Yeah. <laughs> so like millennials are, for some reason, we raise them to be real laid back. So, you know, they, they're real scared to have kids and they're real scared to buy a home. It's like super responsibility that they're like, whoa, no, thank you. Uh, but they are some of the best people that come up with some of the greatest things. And a lot of them have a lot of money. And I'm like, okay, use your money to buy a house, you know, right. kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're seeing a big difference and mostly because millennials are now getting to an age where they're adulting, quote unquote. Right. So now they're seeing, okay, now we're a little older, we're a little bit more seasoned and it's like, okay, I think we're ready now to buy a home. So that's great, you know, but, uh, I myself bought my house when I was 18, my very first home. But then again, you know, I also had help with my parents. They helped me with the down payment. But I saw the benefit of owning my home, my home when I was 18 years old, because then I just owned every home after that. And so that was a great thing. You know what I mean? So how do you move the needle? 
at that point, let's say the, the, the person's score is like 580, but they want to start. They want to be in the start of the process because I don't want to keep paying you know, my landlord, mortgage, right. Mortgage payment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What, you know, what's the, what's the key to do that? How do you move that? So the thing I tell everybody is first thing I do is anybody that has, you know, shaky credit comes to me and they're like, I want to buy a home. We run your credit. We take a look, we cater it to what you have. Right. So it's very difficult, but the main things you can do is don't let stuff go to collection. Never. If you can't pay it right now, all they want you to do is call them and do a payment plan and stick to it. That's it. As long as you're on a payment plan that will never go on your credit and you stick to it, say, I can pay you $10 a month and pay that $10 a month on time. It might take you 10 years. It might take you two months, whatever the case may be, but don't let stuff go to collection. Um, once it goes to collection, you have to have good stuff to offset it. So I, there's many companies out there that offer starter cards that are, but you have to make sure it's a, unsecured card not a secured card we don't want to deposit money into this account this account because that's not giving you credit right that's just like a, a makeshift bank account right um you want to get a starter card that's yeah i mean the, the interest rate's going to be a little higher but that's not the goal the goal is not to get low interest rate right now the goal is to get a higher credit score and then we can worry about the interest credit later so you have to move the needle by giving it good stuff Right. It's the same with losing weight. If you keep feeding it bad food, you're not going to lose weight. You have to move the needle somehow. You have to give, take away a little bit of the bad by adding some of the good. Okay. Now, how does how does your credit score affect like a down payment? So, um, so for instance, like I said, I mean, uh, if you're looking at FHA loans, then they're three and a half percent. They go as low as five eighty five. But in cannabis. Um, most people, right, will have to go conventional, which is a 3%. And if you're going 3%, then your score really needs to be at least 640. And again, that's very dependent on what you're buying. So for instance, like where I'm from in the Midwest, we have properties that are like two and three units. And my very first home can be a two and three unit kind of home, which means I'm going to live in one unit and I'm going to rent the other two. If I'm trying to buy that kind of home, then my credit score has to be a little higher because we're running the risk on you managing two other people, two other units, right? But if you're just out and you're just, you know, in Vegas or California or whatever, and you're just buying a regular single family home, then you can get away by doing a conventional with 3% down at 620. And again, still using down payment assistance. I mean, there's tons of them right now. So they stopped them for a little bit during COVID because, of course, you know, not, not during COVID, but when we actually got shut down. Yeah. Um, but once we became a little bit more active with whether that's good or bad, <laughs> you know, they opened them back up again. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's just this is all crazy times. You know, we covered a lot of that, you know, situation. But I feel like people, even during this pandemic um they get scared because yeah. they immediately start to panic even if they own their home they're like oh my god i should probably you know what i mean do something you know what it's I'm funny like, because i think people panicked in a different way um we really thought we were gonna see lower um productivity meaning like less people buying yeah. or refinancing and the, it was really the opposite which was a weird thing nobody <laughs> thought that 
we were going to be so busy during the shutdown. Like, right. what's happening? But but people got scared in a different way, where if you owned a home, you're like, I'm going to take some money out of my house right. and put it in my account. That's what I'm which is about. what which is what you're supposed to do. That's the good thing about buying a house is that it's essentially free money. You're paying your house, yeah, you're paying your loan, but it's also raising in value. So mm-hmm. while you're making payments and lowering, you know, your loan, you're also gaining extra money because the house is gaining value. So if you want to make a pool or you just, you know, want to be like, "Oh my god, this is the end of the world. I should put my money in my account. Let me take it out." You could do that. You know, where else are you going to be able to be like, hey, bank, give me $30,000 because I've been giving you 10? No. Right. And then there's an opportune moment because, you know, we have people that jump the gun a lot of the times, too. And like you, they want to buy a house and they're about to, you know, pull the trigger on it. And then they like, OK, I'm going to better my credit. I'm going to buy a car. Right. Oh, oh. <laughs> Don't tell me that. That gives me nightmares you know, because, <laughs> because I think to myself, I, I, you know, I tell people from the beginning, listen, is your goal to buy a house or is your goal to buy a Tahoe? Because you can't mm-hmm. have both of them. Uh, let's do one at a time. Do not buy furniture for that home. Do not buy a, a Tahoe for, for that, you know, just to drive around and put it in front of your house. The goal is to buy a home. So don't open credit cards. Don't go buy, you know, a car. Don't, you know, take money out of your credit card for the home. Let's keep you. When I ran your credit, that's exactly what I want to see when we're done closing you. I don't want to see additions because what happens is I approved you. We're going to get ready to close. You go buy this thing, which people think, oh, okay, I'm going to do it uh, three days before we close so that, you know, the furniture will come and everything will be grand. Well, what happens is that people don't realize that we have to check your credit before you close for that very reason. So we, what we do is a soft credit check and we see if any inquiries have been pulled, you know, lately. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, yeah, you know, I got a pull from, you know, Nissan and I got a pull from, you know, any Chevy or whatever. And I have to call you and say, excuse me, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> are we buying a car? Are we buying a house? Which one are we doing? <laughs> So does that, can that actually stop the process? I was just about to ask the same question. 100%. <laughs> that, that can deny you right there. Wow. That right there, because what happens is I approved you based on the debt that you have. You just added more debt. So now I have to figure out if on paper, even though you're like, I got this, I'm good. You know, hey, you, you don't even know I make tips or whatever because I didn't show it to you or, Hey, my girlfriend's going to move in and she's going to pay for half of the mortgage. None, none of that has anything to do with me. That's a bonus for you. I don't know that you're always going to have tips and I don't know that that girlfriend's always going to be around. So we have to qualify you on what we see on paper. And now you added more debt and now we have to figure out if you qualify again. So that stops the process. We have to rerun you and now you run the risk of, not getting the home or going and running around and asking every family member to co-sign with you. Right. So really what it is is that they, there's, you've always taught me some good things, but one of them (laughs) is like two working in the mortgage industry. I learned about debt to income. Right. So that's that's really debt to income is when, you know, you have to be able to afford a home and pay your bills in order to qualify for a home. So if it doesn't make sense on paper, 
it doesn't make sense in real life. Mm-hmm. Let's be real honest. So let's just put it this way. I, and I, I do understand that there are people out there that have side hustles and they're going to keep their shit, right. their mouth shut about a lot of things. Yeah. Right. And so for that reason, we look past that. That's, that's going to be a portion of people anyway. There's nothing right. you can do about that kind of control. Right. It is what it is. But let's just say, you know, I'm, I'm a computer geek and I'm fucking making all this extra dough on the sidelines, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, $80 an hour and I have all this like, additional income. And somebody writes me a big fat ass check and I deposit it in my account. Yeah. And I'm buying a house. I'm right in the middle of buying a house, but I got this. Guess what I got? I got the down payment. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got the down payment. Yes. No. What's going to happen? No, no, absolutely not. Because now um, I, I don't know where that money came from, right? You could tell me, oh, I got it from my side hustle. That's cool. But I didn't know nothing about your side hustle. And you just can't put money in the bank. Unexplained money. What I tell people all the time is I don't want to see unexplained money. And everybody's like, what does unexplained money mean? That means anytime that money goes into your account, it tells us where it's coming from. So if you're a direct deposit, it's going to say you work for McDonald's. It's going to say McDonald's deposited, direct deposit, blah, blah, blah. But if I get let's say $30 from my mom and I get the $30 and I go deposit into the ATM, it's going to say ATM deposit. Well, that's an unexplained deposit because you went to the ATM and I have no idea where that money came from. Uh, Same is if somebody writes you a check because you fixed their computer and you're going to use that towards the down payment. Well, now I have to ask for all of these things. I have to get the bill of sale. Uh, and, and it has, I, I have to have all of these things. And sometimes people are like, I don't make, I don't do an invoice. I just tell them this is what I'm just going to be. And then they just give it to me. No. Well, then I can't use the money because it, everything needs to be on paper. You think about it like investigative, right? We have to really show absolutely everything. When I tell somebody, be ready to show me your life. Everything is going to have to be on paper and I'm going to have to present you on paper so if you have a side hustle and you never give them a receipt and then and you never give them an invoice i can't use any of that none of it what what about in a case where like a family member gifts you some money you 100 can use a gift from a, a family member now trick with a gift is the person giving a gift has to be ready to sign documentation saying that the money they gave you is a gift and sometimes show us their bank statement that the money came from their account. So as long as your family member is okay with doing that, then by all means, get get a gift from every family member if you want, as much as you want for the whole down payment for every penny of what you need for closing. But as long as they sign the documentation saying that it's a gift and they show proof that they gave it to you from them. Interesting. Yeah. It also, little trick with that is, um, if they do have to show us their bank statements, because they will sometimes, then you they can't just have deposited that money in two days before they gave it to you. Meaning like all of a sudden I'm looking at their account and I see $30,000 and then they took that $30,000 that deposited two days ago and gave it to you. Because now I need to know where they got it from. They got it from the side hustle. Right. I'm saying they got a side hustle too. <laughs> right. <laughs> And right. so the same, you know, the side hustle running the family. <laughs> right, right. But that happens, though. But it happens. Right. It? And that's that's basically 
washing money the wrong way, right? It's that's, Yeah, that's... and it's very intrusive and people think like, why are you asking me these questions? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pry. I really need to know so that I can guide you as to what you got to get me because now you got to get me proof. Yeah, and it's, it's funny that you said like when people ask you, why are you asking these questions? It's because somewhere down the line or somewhere in the past, somebody did some shady shit and they yeah. they had to put these rules in place so to stop the shady shit. Right. <laughs> or, or or let's just say you don't, right? Let's just say you don't. And you met me, you know, a week ago. We never spoke before. You came in and you're like, I want a loan. And I'm like, okay, I'll help you get it. Um, tell me your social. Tell me how much you make. Tell me where this money came from. Tell me how many times they pay you. Tell, oh, oh, you and your girlfriend broke up? When? Is she not going to pay? I mean, I, so I've had to ask some of the craziest questions because the craziest things happen while you're buying a house. It is stressful. Very. It's very stressful to buy a house, but it is the best thing you can do for yourself ever is own a home. It really is. But it is stressful for a reason. People forget that you're not asking for ten dollars from title max you're asking for a three hundred thousand dollar loan to live in so i'm like i don't want you just to come in and show me your title you gotta work for it that's very true yeah and i think that that's like all the misconceptions that people have in their minds offset because a lot of people are there's many things that i run into one of them is i'm not gonna be able to do it and then when you really find out and you peel back the banana a little bit, you find out, yeah, you, you fucking can do it. Right. You know what I mean? You are your worst enemy and you build that wall. I think a lot of us do that because we don't think that home ownership is that easily attainable. Right. It's not easy, but at the same time, it's achievable. You know what I mean? So it, I, is, it is not easy, but it is 100% right. attainable for everybody. Right. And just because you don't qualify now, like, personally, I'm not going to let you walk away not knowing how to come back to me later and qualify later. I'm going to give you different scenarios to follow, and you can just pick one. And that's good to hear. Like, to say, you know what? You might not be good now, but this is what you have to do to get there, and this is a timeline of things you have to do or whatever. Like, that's very encouraging like that, you know, people are willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, bare yeah. minimum... If you're paying, here's the, here's the thing is like, and this is what I tell people, I mean, bare minimum, you're, you're, you're giving somebody $24,000 a year to live, right? You're, it's not an investment to you. That money's gone. It's not coming back to you. It's lost money. With a mortgage, you're actually building something. You're actually having money that you can utilize later. You're making additional money. You know what I mean? So it's. How you look at it and procrastination is a killer, man. I think then we procrastinate about what we can and cannot do because we work in the industry and there's and just you're scared and you're oh, fear. And of course there's people that are gonna tell you no straight to your face. Right. No, it can't happen. Just it just cannot be done. I've heard that so many times myself. Yeah. Like I can't do it. You know what I mean? Somebody just asked me the other day, is this a good time to buy a home or should I wait? And I'm like, Are you kidding? This this is probably the best time you can buy a home now. I if I were you and you can do it, do not wait because we're you you will never see these interest rates. Like right so now you... is the best time and the only time you will see these rates this low ever in my lifetime. I have not seen the rates this no, low. No, we did once. 
when the bottom fell out Still 2008. Not this low. <laughs> yeah. This low, yeah. Not this low. That- so when you when you say don't wait, do you mean like you need to start, you know, making this happen between like the next six months and a year? Yeah, or like, I would say the next six months. I mean, you should at least inquire. Can I buy a home? And what do I need? Because you might have everything you need right now and you don't need mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? And I tell people all the time, if you could pay rent, you could pay mortgage. A rent does not let you falter. If you don't have that money on the first, you're late. Whereas a mortgage gives you a grace period. You have from the first to the 15th to, to get that money and get it in and get it on time and not have a late fee. So if you're already programmed to pay your rent and pay it on the first and have it there and no problem, you won't have a problem, then you can pay a mortgage. Because right now, the way the rates are, your rent is probably higher than what your mortgage will be. Okay, and this is another thing, too, and I don't think people understand this as well. And so I want to get it out there just to answer as many questions. And guess what? Here's another thing. There's no stupid fucking questions when it comes to real estate. Ask every single bit of questions you might meet someone who don't give you the right answers and you're like oh i felt you know i felt a little uncomfortable with what was you know ask again because there's going to be somebody out there that's actually going to give you the dilly but also too like uh, when people are building up like to actually buy a home Mm -hmm. um and uh they get out there and they're actually like gonna what's what's the best way to start What's the jumping board? What's the springboard to be? This is my first step. Your very first step should always to be to talk to a lender. Don't go to a realtor yet. Go to your realtor when you know you can buy and you know what you qualify for. Because there's no reason to go look at homes and fall in love with homes that you probably can't qualify for. And I tell, these, I tell people all the time, listen, it's your first home. Just like when you bought your first car, it probably wasn't everything you ever wanted in life, but it got you through the day. It was a nice enough car. There you go. If you don't qualify for much the first go round, it's your first starter home. That doesn't mean it, it's going to be uh, a piece of junk. That just means you're probably not going to have the pool and the jacuzzi and the, you know, whatever the extras. You will have a very nice home. My starter home was a two-bedroom home with a kitchen and a living room. And that was it. And I was I was 18. I was happy. I was like, oh my God, this is like I, I'm not in the basement anymore. Right. Because <laughs> I, I rent it, you know. So it was it like the MTV cribs home that I wanted? No, it wasn't. But but it got me in, it got me to a home. And then when I went to go buy my next home, it was everything that I wanted because I built enough credit, I built enough equity to be able to buy my next home. And that doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. That just means like, don't get discouraged and don't go looking for homes that you don't know if you can qualify for. So go talk to a lender first and get an idea. Can I start looking and for how much? And then Zillow or Google or whatever you want to look at. And then just put punch in the number and see what kind of homes you're looking at. So basically try to get pre-qualified first before you, go look, before you go talking to a real estate agent yeah. and building your dreams all up. And then honestly, that could lead to disappointment right off the, right right off off the, the bat. bat. Yeah. And, and also kind of have an idea as to what you want to buy. So what that means is, do you want to buy a home? Do you want to buy a condo? Do you want to buy a townhome? Because those all come with different prices, right? So for instance, like if you're just buying a home, um, 
well, if you're in Vegas, you probably will have an HOA. You probably won't, but you want to fact, you know, you kind of want to let your lender, and if it's a good lender, they're going to ask you what kind of home you want to buy so that I can make sure that I qualify you correctly, you know, because we have to either factor in an HOA payment, a homeowners association payment or not. And taxes in certain areas really kind of determine kind of what your end payment results going to be. I think that that's yeah. another thing I wanted to hit home too yeah. was like ideally everybody wants to have that really that beautiful home you know in seven hills or you want to have that really beautiful home in henderson or yeah. whatever the case may be um and you know you can afford it you you actually qualify for it and you're like hey it's it's great you can actually get that three hundred twenty thousand dollar home your taxes are going to and, and let's say your ideal payment for that $320,000 home, it's like $2,200, right? right? A month. Right. But how does the taxes factor in? What's the differential? So let's let's talk about taxes. So taxes obviously are, have to be paid. You have right. to pay the tax man always. Right. So um, taxes for the most part are rolled into your uh, loan, meaning not, not into the loan amount, but is part of your payment. So for instance, whatever you're paying a year for taxes is going to be included in your payment. Now, if you have really good score, really good credit, uh, a good uh, work history, you then can make the choice. And what I mean by really good is 720 and above. Um, you can decide, I don't want my taxes in my payment. I choose to pay my taxes myself which some people do. I'm not great at managing that. I'm going to stick it in the mortgage payment. I want to make one payment and I want to be done. Right. So then they'll put your insurance in there. They'll put your taxes in there and whatever else. Um, you know, if you have mortgage insurance, they'll put it in there and then your payment to the loan. Um, but all that is factored regardless of if you pay it through your mortgage payment or you have a good enough credit to say, I'm going to pay it by myself. You still have to qualify with taxes, insurance, Mortgage insurance, if you're going to have that, and some people are required to hold mortgage insurance, and that's a whole other topic, um, and and your regular principal and interest. Okay. So things factor in, they change. So when people are first starting to look for a home, maybe those are not the most ideal areas in which to start. Maybe if you do have that $320,000, it's more advantageous to buy a really beautiful home in Las Vegas where your taxes are going to be a lot lighter, right? Right. And I mean, those payments will be variably different. Like yeah, that's that's totally a, a decision that you make, right? right. And, and what you make and what you can handle as far as your income. That's a very personal choice. So, for instance, if, if I could buy a $320,000 home in Vegas or I could buy a $320,000 home in Chicago, now those are going to look, those mortgage payments are going to look very different. <laughs> Even though they're the same loan amount, and then their same interest rate, very different, far different, because the taxes in Chicago are crazy, or taxes in California are really crazy in comparison to the taxes in Vegas. So while you have two people buying the same kind of home with the exact same interest rate, they don't have the same taxes and they don't have the same insurance. Is that so that those? payments are going to look very different. But again, like I said, that's a personal choice. So right. if you can afford that, right. by all means. Yeah, but it's, I'm putting this out there for those people out there that are just starting out and you're trying to look around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes it's not best to start somewhere where you know you can manage it. You know what I mean? Where it's not like 
putting you to the point of, you know, the brink of insanity because you can't make those payments. You know what I'm saying? So fact of the matter is, I feel like there's a lot to be said when it comes to um, when you're in the cannabis industry and you're trying to get a new home or whatever the case may be. But the fact of the matter is, is try because what you're telling us here is that it's absolutely possible. It's to do absolutely so. possible. And the first thing you do is, is at least check to see if you can do it and what, or what you need to do it. That's excellent. I mean, you really, you really kind of like, <laughs> honestly, one of the best conversations I've had about uh, real estate period. So I really appreciate it because everybody knows it's a dull moment if you ain't buying and it's a dull moment if yeah. you can't, but you can't afford it. You know what right. I'm saying? So yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. You know, super, super, super time. encouraging. Yeah. Um, because working in the cannabis industry, um, I think you said it earlier, Rocky, like you hear so much about how you just can't do this, can't do that. And you just made it seem like, you know, it, you might have to, you know, jump through a, a couple of more hoops, but it's definitely possible. And like, yeah, I, right. yeah, I like, I appreciate you because you just, yeah. you definitely like motivated me and encouraged me to get on my shit. And, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, don't, don't put up walls if you don't have to afford. It, it never hurts to ask and ask always. You know, this is a big deal. So ask as many questions as you want. You don't want to put up walls before you even find out. Get informed. And it's just going to, you know, take you Absolutely. to where you want to go. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things that it's absolutely a possibility. It's going to be a lot more possible, you know, as, you know, time goes by, just like everything else. It makes, it'll be easier in the cannabis industry once people can show that it's possible. Because I feel like there's so many people that won't do it because they work in the more that the cannabis mm -hmm. industry that they won't even try. They right. won't yeah. They're like, mm, I can't, I, I can't, I work in the cannabis industry. Right. Right. So what about other, the last but not least, let me ask you this in closing. If they wanted to buy anything else, like an investment property, or if they wanted to buy anything essentially that has real estate value, mm -hmm. is that possible as well? It is, but you, you want to buy so for instance, if you've never bought and you're saying, I want to buy that home just to sell it. Well, a bank's not really prone because to give you a loan, if you've never had a home, because you have no idea how to handle a home yet and you're going to sell it. So if you're talking about like flipping, the reason flippers use cash a lot is because banks will not give you money on investing a home when you have never owned a home. Mm in your name, meaning, right? right? So, so yeah, I could put, you know, let's say $40,000 on this house cash and I own it, but you've never held a loan on it. And holding a loan is what, what keeps you responsible, right? So, so if you want to buy investment property, you sure can, but you want to try to buy your home first, show the bank that you can handle a mortgage payment. You know how it is. You, you're considered an expert. And then now you can invest, Meaning you now you can either buy this home and you can rent it out. Or if you're looking to flip, I don't really recommend you getting a loan on it because, you know, there's interest on it. Right. Why, yeah. why do you want to do that if you're going to get rid of the home right away? I'm not trying to pay nobody That's more money. That's hustling backwards. <laughs> That's right. Hustling backwards. Hustling backwards. <laughs> I'm going to make a t-shirt saying that. Hustling stuff. <laughs> Jarrell, you know you're not supposed to. Don't be worry, that's what the, the, that's how that's what the editing is for. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
<laughs> oh my god. So um yeah, so Jarrell, it, it, it is that time. It, it is that time, it's, isn't it? Um we do it with everybody. What you've been smoking on. <laughs> That's so funny. this is gonna be funny. I can't wait to hear what Linda's been smoking on. <laughs> Linda, so, what have you been smoking? Of course, I listened to the podcast, right? And so then I was telling Rocky, I was like, What am I gonna <laughs> say? Because I don't smoke. <laughs> but I do take edibles and I do take them every day. So I just um came across nice. the bedtime buddies, right? Yeah. And and I love them. What I said about these edibles that I absolutely love because I, I like to use them for sleep because I tend to wake up in the middle of the night and I, don't, I can't go back to sleep. So I needed mm-hmm. something to knock me out. But the problem was that some of the edibles, when I get up in the morning, I feel um, like so high. And I know that Rocky sometimes like that's impossible, <laughs> but I'm like, I feel it. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know what's wrong, but these are the best. I mean, I, I don't know who makes these. I don't I just, you know, I just know I love them and they're the best. And I'm going to, I feel like going out and buying. Yeah, day. When so you find something you like, you just got to stick with it. Don't even question it. Don't even question it. Just say, you yeah. know what? I'm a, I like it. It's working. I'm going to keep popping. That's weird. I like the baddies. Those baddies would be, those are fire. Yeah. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah, that's Betty's man, those are knockouts. They are, and they and I wake up the next day and I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. And I probably should not have said that to you because after I had taken like 50 milligrams of the bedtime Betty's, I had to wake up at one time in the middle of the night because oh, yeah. the dog was barking at like two o'clock <laughs> in the morning, and I was like, oh my god, let me get up, and I felt <laughs> like I was walking like in quicksand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what the real entire? I was high yeah. as hell. Yeah, you definitely cannot have a fire or anything. You take those. It needs to be like tell the sign, tell everybody not today, because I felt I woozy, like woozy, like like you need to get back to sleep. Right. Like it needs to be your body needs to be in yeah. rest. Yeah, we're yeah. doing. These bodies still up, working. Standing, yeah. You're supposed to be laying down. Right. <laughs> they were. They were. Don't drink any water because you're not gonna get up. Let me tell you, Jarrell. <laughs> after that happened, I went and got two more bags of those motherfuckers. So, wait a minute. Um, but yeah. Um, so, Jarrell, what are you smoking on? Man? Some um, new nature's chemistry that dropped. I um, the blue hash plant. That's what I've just been smoking on. Yeah, and um, that's so. Good. Of course, I had to pick up some garlic cookies. That's been my favorite all year. Oh my gosh. That sounds wonderful. I love garlic cookies, especially Nature's Chem's garlic Hands cookies. Down, they they got that shit unlocked. At least not yeah, not the garlic cookies. Yeah. They got Right. I mean, you don't see blue hash plant everywhere. You do see garlic cookies quite a bit. And they yeah. definitely got that. What you shit smoking unlocked. on, Rocky? Um, so I've had lately I've been doing the grower circle. Um, I had some Cosa Nostra. I also had some Sour Apple Killer, which was really, really nice. Highly recommend. Really great tasting flowers. So for those people out there that are real true cannabis connoisseurs and they really love the taste, like taste is really important. Um, Sour Apple Killer, man, that shit was delicious. Uh, Cosa Nostra is always delicious. 
And then uh, mm. I did pick up their Zoo Dog, which I thought was really, really good, too. It gave a nice little energetic boost in the beginning and got me, like, doing all <laughs> kinds of shit. I didn't know I cleaned the house and shit. Did you get a chance to pick <laughs> up some of the, um, the GLP Miss X Live Rosin? OMG, sir. Yeah, I just picked yes, up some tonight. I, I haven't you? tried it yet. What do you think? Oh, you're going to love it. When you crack that jar, the way it smells, it actually smokes the way that's, that shit smells, which is really weird because I know that a lot of times you smell rosin and it smells fantastic, and then you burn it, it's good, it's good, but it doesn't have the same taste you know that exactly you know when that, from about. that smell, you know? And okay. They just okay. nailed the shit out of that. Yeah, I'm going to get to that tonight for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out and big Always. props to GLP for that. Well, and- Linda. <laughs> and better. <laughs> like, yeah. Shout out to them. Linda, you Betty. killed Woo! it. Betty's. All right, folks. So if you do want to, uh, if you guys have any questions for us out there, or you need to contact us for any reason whatsoever, please hit us up at uh, High Bud Tenders on all social media platforms. So that's High Bud Tenders on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all the shit. Um, and if you have any questions or want to be on the podcast, hit up our website, www.highbudcenters.com drop us a little message at the bottom of our page there and let us know you want to be on the podcast we'll be happy to get back to you ASAP we're really quick about it so let us know we'd be happy to have you on Um, not only that but uh, man Thanksgiving is coming up happy Thanksgiving folks we really appreciate you hey Jarrell are we not thankful as hell for this podcast I'm thankful for the podcast I'm thankful for all the listeners and most definitely, 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 I'm thankful for you, Rocky. You have been A1 since the beginning. Um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely, definitely, I appreciate you. Oh, my God. For you, too, Jarrell. you my ride or die, G. I love it. Out of love, to love. Well, you know what? Thank you guys again. We're very, really, really thankful for all of you. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And as always, stay high, bud tenders.